Hello. Hey. How are you? How are you? Welcome to another edition of The Couch Attorney. Today we have a guest and we want to talk about some things today. I'm just going to leave it anonymous and just call you my friend. How, how does that work for you? Okay, that, that works great. And, and right. I just want, I want, to, I want to thank you for giving me an opportunity to, to speak here with you. And, and I hope that, you know, I can learn something from you and, and maybe people can learn something from me too. Exactly. That's what communication is about. And that's what we try to, to spread with this podcast is dialogue. We need to talk and we need to not only talk to our friends and family and people that think like how we think. We need to talk to people that we don't share in, uh, things in common with and we don't necessarily agree with. And that's how we grow. Absolutely. So, so exactly. And I think black and white need to do a lot more talking and yes. a lot more understanding. Yeah, um, a, a lot a lot more a lot more um truly listening, not just hearing what's being said, but really listening to what's being said. You know, everybody wants to talk and nobody's really hearing each other, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that um we're gonna try and do that today and see if we can come up with some solutions. So just for the listening audience to get a little background, uh, can you tell us what your what your history is and what your background is? Uh, I was in law enforcement in Missouri. Um, I left actually because of a, a back injury, but there was also um, things that going on back in the 90s when I was an officer that I did not agree with. Uh, I've also been a volunteer firefighter, a lifeguard. Um, I, I help with disaster relief now and search and rescue. Um, so I, I interact with all, all different races, you know, um, okay. and, and people on, you know, whether they be wealthy or welfare, you know, so it, it's a broad, broad band of, of how I've, you know, been able to interact with people. And for full disclosure, you are a Caucasian female, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. So tell me about your experiences in the police department when it, with your fellow officers and how they interacted with African-Americans. Um, well, it was, you know, the, the jokes or... Um, making fun of, of somebody when you pull them, pull them over. And because they happen to be African-American, oh, watch, they're going to have marijuana on them, you know, or cocaine or, and it was like, you didn't even get, get out the car and you've already made a judgment about the situation based on their race, you know, and which is obviously wrong. Um, to, to this day, I don't think that police department has had one African-American officer. Wow. In the police department, what state was that in? That was in Missouri. That was in Missouri. And you're telling me that there was no African. Were you in a predominantly, were you in an all white area or? Um, well, the surrounding communities, I mean, where, where I was an officer was the main, uh, you know, where you could get from, say, uh, Joplin, Missouri, to you'd have to go through Joplin to get to other towns. And so, you know, it was it was a, a main road and there just there wasn't you had some you had black people in the community, but you did not have any officers of the race. Why do so, you think that was? Um, well, back then, uh um the chief was a much older person um in fact i want to say he was like 60 when i joined um so you know uh I, i'm sitting here trying to think even in in our courts there our little you know city court there wasn't even like a court officer or anybody that was anything but white you wow. know wow well, see, that's the dynamic that we have going on, which is causing a lot of the attentions 
is that you have white officers policing in black areas. They don't live in the area, so they don't have the connection to the people that they serve. And they don't look at it as if they're serving them. You know, it's funny how police officers on the car, it says protect and serve, but they seem to protect themselves and they serve only who they want to serve. Right. I can tell you of an incident incident that there was a a 911 call and this didn't have to do with a racial issue, but just shows the attitude. I, I said to my partner who was driving, I said, why are we sitting at this stop sign? And I quote, if we sit here long enough, we won't have to do anything to help this lady. And and wow. I said to him, but we protect and serve. Those were my exact words. And that was just mind blowing to me that that's why he said we were sitting there waiting, you know? So what do you have to say to officers who stand by and watch while you know, other officers have their knees on someone's neck or, you know, is just going overboard. Do, do uh, the, the argument that I've heard is that you can't speak up because you may need backup and they may not come for you. Is that a viable argument? Yes, it is. Absolutely. It is. Okay. Which is very it sad. Is fun- and also then mm-hmm. I say, then, then, you know what? take the badge off and move to a different department, you know, get out of that line right. of work. If you're not willing to actually protect and serve, then you don't need to wear the badge. You took an oath, you know, yeah. I mean, it just, it is mind boggling to me. When I sit there and I watch that video of Mr. Floyd, I'm just like, I cannot believe that that the officer was, you know, yeah, you got to watch the crowd, but that gunner walk over and tell him, get off his neck. You're killing him. You know, but when I go back and I've watched those videos, even when the, the first two officers that got him over to the sidewalk and sat him on the ground, uh, you can tell by the body language and stuff, that officer was angry for some reason. I don't know what was said, but when he gets him up and you watch how he does his hand, he is doing a pressure point technique on his hand. And there was no reason for that. He was walking willingly. Yep. So I'm very hard on black officers because I say to to black people who defend black officers, I say, what other profession do you know that you could watch your co-workers do the most foul racist acts to your people and they smile and laugh in your face and you say nothing about it and keep on working i don't know any other profession where we would do that so why do we accept this from black officers who are on the scene and watch these things occur and then not only do they not say anything but they will participate in the cover-up they will falsify the police records right and i don't understand that either you know it's like what are you wanting a promotion are you worried you know about retaliation from other officers or you know i don't understand it you know because i've asked myself those same questions but you said that there that retaliation is real. Oh yeah. That it that is. is a real But here's my point. If a white if you're afraid to speak up against a white officer because backup that you may need backup and they may not come for you. If you're working in a black area, who's gonna be more for afraid and need backup? A white cop or a black cop? I would think it's the white cop that is going to be more conscious of backup when he's working in a black area. So I don't understand why black cops only feel that the retaliation is one-sided. Do you have a view on that? Well, since since I'm white, it's kind of hard for me to really, you know, put put my view on it because all I can do is speculate on that. You know, um I, mm-hmm. And, and you yeah. know, I mean, like, I've tried to, 
on on situations um, like we will not even use Mr. Floyd. We'll use Eric Gardner. When that happened, I sat there and I thought, now if that was a big old white man, and all around him was all African American police officers, how would how would yeah. the outrage have been different? I mean, there was a lot of officers yeah. on that case. There was yeah. again no reason for him to him to end up dead. So what are you trained? How are you trained to subdue a a combatant or or someone that's resisting arrest? Well, when I went through the academy years ago, it was uh, they used jujitsu, and I'm guessing that they still do. We know pressure points. You know, you have mace. Um, back then, we had they were called PR uh, 24s, which are your batons. Um, now the, they're extendable batons. They have tasers. Um, like there's. There's so many options that that when I see something like this that is so horrific and and blatantly broke any kind of training, I just sit back and I go, why why are they not in jail? You know, we can say, oh, why? the FBI is investigating and everything else. If that was you or me that had done that to somebody, we'd already been in jail. Yeah. Yep. You know, they're they're not exactly. above the law. And and today when I watched that news conference, I sat there watching it and I was like, it is all white people talking. Where is the representation here? You, you know, like, yep. I mean, I, I obviously don't know what it's like to be African-American and in America, but as a white person, I sat back and thought, this is not a proper representation. It, you know, it's just, it's heartbreaking. Definitely. Well, let me, let me ask you a question. What do you say to, to your fellow white people who will come back and say, well, there are more whites that are killed by blacks in, in, in America. They're black. Uh, whites are killed by police officers too. Um, yeah, white people are. But you show me where it is uh, completely unarmed. How many times are we seeing unarmed white people killed compared to unarmed uh, African Americans? Or you know, exactly. like, or I've heard people say, "Well, but do you see the black on black crime? Really, really? Like you're." Yeah, it's in there. It's because they got an issue of the heart, you know, it, and so they 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 can't see how they should be seeing with an open heart, with their eyes open, and you know I had to say um, it's almost like uh, it, they think that everybody that's white really isn't as guilty as somebody that is black, but that's the truth, you know. That's how they see do. It. You think that that's the way white people. Do you think that that's the way white people think? Is that why they're so dismissive? Some, not all. Um, and and somehow we've got to get the communication open because like there's some people that because of how they were raised, they are so afraid of African-Americans or Hispanics even, you know, like get to know somebody. Just because your mama and your daddy and your grandparents believe a certain way, doesn't mean that's how it is. And exactly. and um, so, you, you know, I mean, there's there, there's just so many things that I go, I just can't believe. Like, I've, I've had quite a few friends that have said to me, we'll be in a conversation and I'm talking about white friends and they say, well, I'm not a racist, but, well, let me stop you right there. Because if you have to start a sentence with, <laughs> I'm not a racist, but guess what? You are a racist. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, let me say something to that. I think one of the problems is that we don't have enough words to describe these these behaviors. We just have that word racist. And that's a very strong word. So, you know, I wish we had other ways to describe, you know, because to me, a racist is not somebody because when you put the ist on something, that means you you have some experience and you have some power to affect your views. So what I mean by that is, I could talk about science all day long, 
but that doesn't make me a scientist. Right. Okay. I get what you're saying. Do you yeah. follow what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So, so I think there are a lot of people that are racially insensitive, but they're not necessarily necessarily a racist. So when you try to say to them that they are racist, they're never going to get it. They're going to say, I never owned any slaves. I never stopped a black person from doing that. I never killed a black person by kneeling on their neck. So that's what they assume that they're associating with a racist, not racially insensitive. Okay. Yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. And I have heard that exact thing of, I didn't own any slaves. I, I've, I've heard that, you know? So, yes. um, uh, and and I do understand that, that that train of thought. I understand that that white people of today are feeling that they were not involved in this, so they should not have to pay for this. But the point that we try to get to you is that you're a beneficiary of racism. So although you don't don't uh, participate you are still reaping the benefits of it. So therefore you hold some responsibility. Do you, do you share that? view? I, I, I totally get what you're saying. And not only that, maybe that's one of the reasons that I am so adamant about correcting a wrong to the best of my ability, you know, taking some ownership that man, yeah. not only are, are you still being oppressed? I'm a matter of fact, I apologized to one of my generals the other day and I said, sir, I am so sorry that you have to worry about when your your children go out the door, you know, and how you're being yeah. treated. Like, I just can't understand that and fathom it, you know? Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. you know, and he's like, you don't, you don't owe me an apology, but, but thank you, you know? And it was like, no, this, this needs to stop. You know, and I and I shared with you, yeah. you know, a hateful message that I got and what I was called, and I was just like, Yeah, yeah, please let, let me let me go into that a little bit. You've been on on social media or speaking with your friends about these racial issues, and what kind of response have you gotten from white people? And are these white people that you have known for some time? Uh, some of them, yes. Um, and what kind of responses well, have you got? Well, one of them uh, said, let me, and, and I, I'm going to spell this, let me ask, A-X, you a question. And uh, at first I just thought that was a, you know, misspelling, something weird happened. Maybe it was, you know, you're talking into the microphone. Yeah. And then it went on to say, uh-huh. are you an end lover? And I will not say that word. What kind of white trash are right. you? And I was like, Wow. And my, my I wow. just fell apart. Fell apart. I just, I couldn't believe wow. it. And my daughter, she actually popped online and she was like, mom, don't cry. Don't, don't, don't pay any attention. Well, her girlfriend is African-American and I think the world of her, you know, I mean, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. Where does that hate come from? You know, it's right. And the point that I don't get is why is the hate towards us? Shouldn't we be the ones that's hating? I mean, I don't understand why whites hate blacks. When, when you know, we we didn't enslave okay. you. Hey, I've you been know, told so. I should stay with my own kind, like from family members. You should just stick to your own kind. Well, excuse me. What do you think my own kind is? My 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 kind yeah. is the human yeah. kind, you know. And and if anybody's True. wondering, this isn't something new for me. My kids are all twenty five and above. There's four of them. They're all above that age. And you could ask any one of them, and they would say every every February, mom would sit down with us and we would do Black History Month. I would make sure that they would know. Hey, who Rosa Parks is and what actually happened on that bus? And oh, hey, you know how we got the peanut and this and that? Because I want them to value that heritage too. I want them to grow with respect towards mankind. Yes, 
Yes. Very, very well said. And, and I appreciate that. I wish more would understand the importance of studying history and not just one-sided history. Because to me, the biggest mistake we made in this country was not fully examining racism and slavery. Because if we did really understand it, then we would have a healthier appreciation. I think white people look at it as it would be guilt. Like they don't want to, to feel that guilt of what was done. But I think you'll get a greater understanding of yourself and, and not the bad part, but there are good parts. But you get a good, better understanding of both races if we studied it. But what we did was just say, OK, it's a bad thing. Wink, wink. We're not right. going to do it anymore. But yet we have institutional racism that's going to continue and and, it, you and, know, it, and, it, and sometimes you got to ask the uncomfortable, tough questions. You know, I mean, I, I remember my, my first African-American friend at nine years of age wasn't allowed to come over to my home, but I was allowed to go to hers for a sleepover. And as we got ready to get in bed, turned down the bed sheets and she pulls out this thing and puts it on her pillow. And then she pulls out this little towel and she puts it on the pillowcase. I said, what's that for? She goes, so, so my oil doesn't get on my on my pillowcase. I was like, do, do I need one? And she goes, no, <laughs> white people's hair doesn't have oil like ours. Like, I didn't know, you know, yes. but, but it was an opportunity yes. to learn something. And yes. here I am at 52 years of age. And I still remember that moment. It was a teaching moment. Yes, because it would, there should have been so many more of those. But we don't interact with each other like that. You know, once I saw a documentary where they were, um, they had kids in a room and they had their parents in another room watching them as they had these discussions about race. And the parents were shocked when they seen how racist views these kids had at such a young age. And the white parents were saying, I don't know where they got that from. I don't teach that. I don't. But what they were made to understand is that though you may not feel racist against black people, if you do not have black people in your home, if you do not have black people as true friends, your children will pick up the difference. They will notice how you act around white people and how you right. act around black people. Yep. So it's... it's yeah, so and, and it it's was really our responsibility telling. as parents to teach our kids. It's not the school's responsibility because, come on, the school don't get it right. Let's face it. You know, there's discrimination going exactly. on in the schools. Exactly. Um, so, so you know, exactly. it is our responsibility as parents to instill in our children the the right things about other races, about, you know, and if you don't know, then own it and say, you know what? I don't know. Let's go research it. You know, just just, just here recently, exactly. I, I heard about. Exactly. I never heard the term um, uh, the black stock market. I was like, what? And so I started looking into it. Like I had no mm. idea. Yes, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, the city that they burnt down that was totally black and had their own banks, had their and yet, own and yet guess, everything. Guess and where I was born? It. Muskogee, Oklahoma where wow wow and didn't you know didn't know anything about it. about it unbelievable yep so let, let's start talking about some solutions here um what do you feel white people can do to help this and, and let me start this by saying i think everyone has to understand that this will not change by black people. Black people are 13% of the population in the United States. And that's including the incarcerated, the felons that can't vote anymore. That's including everyone, 13%. What is 13% going to do against institutional racism? Nothing. No. Nothing. It's going to take white people to change this system. So 
from that perspective, what can white people do? What What's the first thing or what, what, well, what would you suggest? First off, because because of my beliefs and I am a follower of Christ, I say churches need to take a stand. You know, I'm sure that, that all across this nation, African-American churches will be speaking about Mr. Floyd. But when it comes to the white churches, it would be more about you know, let's pray for the nation and against the protests, the, the rioting and calm. You know, we want peace. Well, we can't have the peace if we're not mm-hmm. out there arm in arm with our brothers and our sisters, walking that line with them and getting in the trenches and saying, I don't understand your pain or your hurt. Show me it. Let me understand it. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, I don't understand your pain and hurt. Show me it. And the problem that I've had is is that when you try to show some white people, they counter you. Like I just had a counter just now when I said about slavery. I talked about slavery and the effects of it. And the counter was, well, black people weren't the only one slave. And they went into this, there were slaves in in the 1800s and 17. And I'm thinking, really? We're talking about the United States. Of course, there were slaves around the world somewhere, but no ethnic group has suffered the way the blacks have suffered in the United States. That's no, undisputable. No, you, Am right. I right or wrong right. on that? I mean, okay, white white man took it from the Indian, this land. I believe that. We did. We took it from them. And we brought over uh, the black African-American to come be slaves here, build our White House, work our farms, you know, build this, do that, do our laundry, you know? <laughs> but, yeah. But the one thing that you said there, you said... Black African American. Remember, we were just Africans. Well, yeah. It was no American. So everything was changed. Your name, your religion, your language, your, your food, your everything about you was changed and and converted to what they wanted. So I think when people start talking about other races have been been uh you know gone through things. Yes, we acknowledge that, but nothing has been to the extent of what's happening, what has happened in America and continues to happen today. Right. It's not like it ever ended. So I kind of interrupted you, but what can white people do to to I, help I wish this? that the communities would would get together like like okay, where I live, you have certain areas that are basically black communities man get a bunch of white people together and say come on let's go knock on some doors hey do you have a need because i'd like to meet it you need some groceries let's sit down and talk you want it here i got a, I got a bottle of water and soda you want it you know let's start a dialogue happening when there's when there's something going on that is yeah. is a horrible thing we need to we need to step up and have your back you know because because when yes. when an all white city council yeah. sees some white people coming in there stepping up to the plate maybe they'll listen a little better i hate to say it like that but maybe they will yep. you know yep yeah and yep. maybe just maybe like get some people on the school board the pta or whatever they call it it needs to be a diverse group in everything like that if it's a government uh office if it's a you know, the school, educational, whatever it is, there needs to be people that look like other people. You know, I don't need to have everybody look like me. Well, that that was the thought. And that's what brought in affirmative action. But if you've noticed, affirmative action has now been weaponized and it's turned to white people feeling that they are discriminated against it. You know, I can't help but laugh when I get to to that part because how could white people be discriminated in America is beyond me, but it has been weaponized and you will hear white people say, well, you got a better shot at things than I do. And that's amazing to me that 
they could be that naive and that un unaware of what life was like in in America for a black. I'll give you a, a, a kind of example of what life is like for me. I saw the uh, Ahmad Armory in in Georgia. He's in an area, a, a different area, unarmed, and he's killed by two armed white men. So it would make me think, oh, you better pack and make right. sure you got something wherever you go, right? But then I see, but not so fast, because then I even remember more vividly yep. Philando Castro, who was stopped in the car with his wife and three-year-old yep. daughter yep. for having a broken tail light. He proceeded to tell the officer, my gun is in the glove compartment. The officer shot and killed him with his three-year-old in the back seat and him sitting in the passenger seat and his wife next to him. But the, the wickedness didn't stop. After that, while her husband is laying slumped over dying, the guns are drawn at her and ordered her out the car and on the floor like she was a criminal while she's crying that her husband was just killed in front of her and in front of her three-year-old daughter. So do I walk with my gun in my car and then the police kill me? Or do I just take a chance that I will never come across some white guys with guns that want to kill me? Well, what does a black man do? And again, I'm, I'm not black, but see, I, I would say carry, carry it with you. You know, I mean, it, that's I'm 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 worse scared of the police than I am of anything else. So the carrying with me, I don't know. Be honest, I do it sometimes, and sometimes I, I. But I feel like I'm, my life is at risk every time I walk out my house. Every time I see a police behind me or around me. The anxiety level, white people will never understand the anxiety level that black people have. Now, let me switch gears a little bit. Let me talk about what black people need to do to stop this. One thing we need to do is we have to understand that we have to stop being so emotional. We're emotional, but not strategic. So we already know that white officers are scared of us or racial against us. So when we're stopped, we cannot be emotional in the situation. I know you believe you're right, there's wrong, it's racial, it's all of that. But you cannot handle that on the street in a emotional manner in which we, we are. We talk emotional. We move emotional, whether it's sports or playing dominoes or whatever. <laughs> you would think it's a fight going on, and it's just a yeah, regular yeah. old domino game, okay? But to a, but to an officer that who's scared of you to begin with and racially biased against you, that is all the provocation that you need to say you are resisting arrest and I'm going to do what I want. So blacks need to stop being so emotional and it's not their fault we should live in a world where you could be who you are and still be safe they are there to protect and serve you however we do have to live in the world we are living in and blacks need to tone I, I, I it would agree down with that. yeah you know i mean um the other thing is look if you get pulled over and Get your window down and put your hands on that dash. Let them see your hands. You know, I mean, and then just don't make a move until you let them. Is it okay? And I hate that it has to be that way because I don't have to ask permission to. Is it okay for me to move my hands? You know, but but you know, it's like yeah. you. Yeah. I, I don't want to see any more of these senseless murders, and that's what they are it, to me. You know. And and um, you, you have to be careful of, of even where what what part of town you know like like yeah. you said um, Ahmad that was just running you know uh, to me there's three people involved in that you know uh, all he was doing was running he stopped and and went looked in a house mm -hmm. I just watched four kids do that two days ago nobody got shot from it you know yeah. nope. 
Nobody got shot. Well, we know that we know that that was more of a of a rogue situation going on. Once you saw the police department send a text to the homeowner and tell them, "Don't call us, call him," when something goes down, that is that tells you that that whole area was somewhere that we did not need to be um, unarmed, and um, it's going to be a difficult case, though. And I'm hoping that people can understand. I'm not saying accept, but understand that this is a difficult case, even though you think it's oh, a yeah. slam dunk because you got a video. But with a video, with a video, what you have to understand is a video can bring up more questions than answers. And a video is can be slanted totally one-sided in the defendant's favor because the other side isn't there to to tell you what really happened so having the video doesn't necessarily give you the advantage that we're thinking it's going to give us so um i'm i'm worried about what's going to happen down in georgia and around this country because i think there is an element i think there is an element in this country Well, I, I posted on my Facebook war. page just a little while ago, 75 things that a white person can do to basically support African-Americans. How can we help? How can we? And and so, yeah, if you want to go to my page and, and get that, share that, do whatever you want, feel free. Um, but, but, you know, because the reality is, yeah. really, we are all in this together. Whether or not we want to think that way, we are. Because... As, as long as white people remain silent, guess what? That's speaking volumes to the black community. And you know something? I thought for the first time in this in 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 this world that I can remember that we got that lesson with this pandemic. I thought everybody got it. We're all together, rich, poor. Black, white, well, you well, cough, I cough, we all gonna die. I thought they got that, and then we have the racial aspect that comes in and I posted on my Twitter page because everybody was that like, unit. oh, we're all in the st- same storm together. Uh, or we're all in the same boat together. And I said, no, we're all in the same storm. Honey, you're, you're in a yacht, I'm over here in a canoe. And it applies the same way in the race thing. You know, we, we think that we're all together, but the reality is some people are, are on their yacht and others, you know, they've put some branches together. It's not even a canoe. They got exactly. some branches that they've tied together. So. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been a great conversation. I think we've uh, learned a lot. I hope the listeners have learned and I think I want to do this again Uh, I have some more topics that I think uh, we could explore and I would I really enjoyed this conversation with you today thank you for your honest input and uh, your perspective from a former law enforcement officer is there anything in closing that you want to say I appreciate you inviting me on I love you if there's anything that I can do, I, I'm willing to step up. I want to help. I want us to bridge the gap that that is so wide. And, and it might just be a little bit that I can do, but you know what? Every If everybody does a little bit, eventually that gap will close, you know? So, so uh, but I love you and, and yeah, Amen. let's do this again. And, and uh, you know, I, I wanna learn from you. So, you know? Well, I've learned from you and I hope the listeners have learned from this conversation. And I would encourage people to do this amongst themselves. Find someone that is different from you, someone from a different demographic. Absolutely. And conversate, have dialogue. Because you're going to learn, you're going to learn something about each other and that's and, what we need to do to grow closer and, together well i thank you it, yeah and, i want to say this and if you think and, that you anything don't else have you want anything to say? that you can agree on overlook that and find i don't care if it's you both like dr pepper 
whatever the one thing is, build on that one thing that you do have in common and exclude all your differences. Yes. 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 Well, it was great building with you. Um, this was a great experience for me, and I want to continue it and, and grow it further. You have a great evening, and thanks for being Welcome to another edition of The Couch Attorney, the Trayvon Martin series. I'm going to take a break from giving you all the evidence in the Trayvon Martin case to talk a little bit more deeply about the evidence in this case and why it pertains to today. Why are black men being killed over and over in front of our faces in obvious racist situations? How are they getting away with this? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. Because right now, we're kind of like the fans in the stands. We're cheering on our team. We're protesting. We're emotional. We're invested. We're talking on social media. We're doing what we can do. But our team is not winning. It doesn't even look like they're trying hard enough. What's going on? They're tanking. They're tanking to get the first round pick. What the hell are you talking about? Well, I'm going to tell you. There's more money in injustice than justice. How they say in the church, look at your neighbor. You follow me? You get this? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor there's more money in injustice than justice. So our players who show up Johnny on the spot, and I tell you, they must got frequent flyer miles. All about the Benjamins Crump, Sabrina Fulton, Trayvon's mother, Johnny on the spot. Anytime anything goes down, they're the new Sharpton. They show up right on the spot, but they never win anything. They're tanking, and it makes me so mad because I know what they're doing. They're tanking to get the money. Their goal is not to win these games. Because think about it. If Sabrina Fulton would have gotten justice from the beginning and arrested and everything, there would have been no movement the way it was and there was no money to jump up. But because she didn't get justice and all of this happened and they didn't want to arrest her, she became a celebrity. Unbelievable. She became a celebrity. She opened up a foundation. Now, tell me something. What the fuck did Sabrina Fulton do to make her qualified now to run a foundation? She couldn't even get justice for her own child. But yet, she's got a foundation to do what? Go to the foundation. All you're going to see is mugs and t-shirts of Trayvon. She's making dough on injustice, on not getting paid. No justice, no peace? No, no, that's not what it really means. It means no justice is okay just as long as you pay me. Well, that shit needs to come to an end. It's time for us to stop being emotional and start being strategic. We have no plan. Protesting is great, but you need a plan behind that. We're getting beat, not on the streets. Yeah, we go and protest and fuck shit up. And now they're surrounding police departments in Minnesota. They're surrounding them and going at the cops now. This is going to get worse. But that's not where they're beating us. They're beating us in the courts. We have no plan. We have no leaders. Our leaders are about the Benjamins, like Crump. They're not about getting justice. They're tanking. First part of the problem is we need to identify these people. We need to call them out and remove them from the plan. 
tanking is not going to get us justice. It's going to make us constantly be worried about our loved ones. Because don't you think that by the fact that Zimmerman got away with it and became so bold with it, sold the gun at an auction and made all of that, don't you think that emboldened the people in Georgia to do the same damn thing? There was three men hunting that boy Ahmad in Georgia and there was three men hunting Trayvon that night. You only know about one of them. Keep watching. I'm pissed off. I'm going to tell you. Welcome to another edition of The Couch Attorney. Let's continue what we were talking about. Why don't you know all the details that would have helped convict George Zimmerman? Why don't you know these major things? Why don't you know that George Zimmerman and Mr. Martin, Trayvon's father, had gotten into it before this incident and he pulled the gun on him? Don't you think that would have been pertinent information to help the prosecution in this case? Why don't you know about Jeremy Lauer clearly being outside, clearly being at the window looking outside as soon as the gunshot going off, clearly whispering to his wife, they warned me he would shoot him. Why wasn't he even called to testify? How did Benjamin Crump and Sabrina Fulton sit there and let that happen? How come he wasn't called in to say, who warned you they would shoot who? And what was that door closing and you coming in? You were right there when they were screaming. What was going on? How come Benjamin Crump is not screaming from every mountain that he did not get justice with Trayvon Martin and he wants justice because there's other people that could be charged, just like in the case in Georgia? We knew from the beginning that there was a third party because he was filming. So we went after his ass and guess what? He got arrested. Well, there's no statute of limitations on murder. So Jeremy Lauer and Mark Osterman, they can be charged today. And I know I haven't finished broke, breaking that down to you, and you're not feeling everything I'm saying with the Trayvon Martin situation. And I know there's a lot of people that didn't follow the case as it was happening, so they don't know all the details. And so I'm going to do another podcast where I break it down, and there's going to be a visual podcast because I really need to show you a lot of evidence. But I'm trying to do this audio because I'm, I'm so frustrated and I got to get this out of me. But if you have followed the case, then follow with me here. There are three people just like in the Trayvon Martin situation. It was in Georgia. There were two people that intended to do what they were doing and they knew pretty much what they wanted to do. And then there was that third person that was kind of along for the ride, having a good time until it got serious. So the reason why this is burning me up because I see where this brings us to today. Every time you see something happens like this, right after Trayvon, it was Mike Brown. Who was first to be with Mike Brown's mother? Trayvon Martin's mother and Benjamin Crump. And then what happened in that case? Did we get justice down there? We didn't even get a trial. They shot him in the top of his head while he was laying on the floor. Then that's the only way you can get shot in the top of your head is to be laying on the floor. But yet we didn't even get a trial there. They went to the grand jury, came out the grand jury, gave a big speech like there was a trial and declared the officer innocent. Who's standing there listening to it, taking it, all about the Benjamins Crump and Sabrina Fulton. So every case that's come up now, who's Johnny on the spot? All about the Benjamins and Sabrina Fulton. Sabrina Fulton went on tour with Hillary Clinton, the Grieving Mothers Tour. They all went, the Mike Brown's mother, all of these people, they're going on tour and everything, making money. But did any of them get justice? No. Are any of them still screaming for justice? No. They screaming for that dollar. 
Time to get paid. And this is what puts us in this situation over and over again. If the same team that's tanking is the one that's coming in Johnny on the spot to every case, why would we expect any different results? Why would we expect any different results if we go in with the same team? Stumbling, mumbling, idiot crumb can't even talk. He can't even talk on television. And this is our representative? Come on, people. It's time to wake up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep breaking this down. Right now, they're rioting in the streets. We need to talk about this. Welcome to another edition of The Couch Attorney. Okay, Minnesota is burning right now. You turn on the news, you're going to see the buildings and the rioting and people running out of stores with merchandise and everything. Notice you will see black, white, Hispanic, everyone's out there rioting. Now, I got people asking me, how do you feel about the rioting? And you're going to get mixed uh, reactions to this or opinions about this from all races, within the races. But there's a certain element that I want to speak to right now. And that's the white, I don't care element, but let me play like I do care. And they'll give you the, oh yeah, this is a bad thing that happened, but what about the black crime in Chicago? What about the fact that all whites, there are more whites that get killed by police than blacks? That dumb shit. When every damn body knows it, though, you got to take that a step further. Yeah, more whites are killed by police, but we're 13% of the population. Blacks are 13%. And that's taking into account the incarcerated and also the felons that are no longer able to vote. We're 13%. What change are we really affecting? And whites are three times the population than us. So, of course, you're going to see a stat like this. But we are three times more likely to be killed by police officers in situation, in racial situations like this, where this man has his foot on the neck for f- over five minutes of a handcuffed man. And why did he stop him to begin with? He stopped him for a fraud in progress, a check fraud in progress. Not a a shootout or or some kind of thing where it might have a weapon or something. And the man came out, they dragged him out of his car, first of all. Dragged him out of his car. Then the man is obviously not doing well. You got your foot on his neck. And the first thing that white people can come to ask you about a situation like that is well what about the black on black crime in Chicago just say I don't give a fuck that's all you gotta say say I don't give a fuck I know you don't anyway there's very few really conscious but white people that get it most white people don't get it because they've never been actually had it explained to them The biggest mistake we made in this country was not examining the full effects of slavery and how it affects blacks and whites and our thinking. Once we understand that, blacks will be able to understand themselves better and whites will be able to understand themselves better and we'd all be able to understand each other better. But right now, to just say, okay, no more slavery, racism's bad, wink, wink. And then society goes on and we watch institutionalized racism and murders and lynching. It's like D.L. Hughley said, uh, racism isn't increasing, it's just being filmed now. Everybody's got a camera. So now it's being filmed. But this has been happening. I am 53 years old. And every year of my life, I've lived through blacks being murdered by the hands of wicked whites. I remember when I was about nine, eight, ten years old, 
Eleanor Bumpers, a 60-something-year-old grandmother, did was off her meds, and the police had to be called to her home. And she, yeah, she was wilding. She had a knife in her hand, but she was 60-something years old. And the SWAT team came in with their um, shields and everything. Shotgun blast. First one hit her hand and blew off the hand that she had the knife in. Second shotgun shell hit her dead in the chest, and she died in her home. I'll never forget Eleanor Bumpers. I'll never forget Amadou Diallo, who was shot 50-something times reaching for his wallet. What a mistaken identity style. Welcome to The Couch Attorney, May 27th, 2020. Rioting in Los Angeles, rioting in Minnesota, buildings are burning. Hmm, what's going on? Why are we doing this? Well, some people will agree with rioting and some will disagree with rioting. Some understand it, some don't. Lots of white people will ask, why are you rioting? What what does that do? Why Why would you wreck your own neighborhood? Why would you burn down stories that you use in your own neighborhood. I don't get it. Well, let me explain to you. It's not like it's our neighborhood. That auto zone does not belong to a black man. Neither does that dollar store or not even a hair store most of the time. So there's no connection like it's our stuff and why would we burn down our stuff? Second of all, where else they gonna go? You can't just pack up in the cars and go to another neighborhood and say, okay, hey, we're coming to riot over here because it's a nicer neighborhood and it's not our neighborhood. It don't work like that. When you're outraged, you're outraged and you're going to lash out wherever you can. And a riot is just the screams of the unheard. If they had other means, other ways of getting justice, maybe they wouldn't be in the streets. Now, do I agree with it? Well, let's talk about that in two terms. Rioting in general, do I agree with it? Yes, I do agree with it. I, I don't agree with it being the only plan. I think that should follow up with a plan. But I do agree with getting out in the streets and getting together. Because what you're noticing, if you watch it, there's a lot of blacks and whites out there together protesting. So that's a good thing. Because if you then take that and mobilize that and call it a march to the polls... Or other thing, other examples and, and, and things that you can do to make it more strategic instead of just emotional. Yes, I support that. Now, let's break that down to riot in tonight, May 27, 2020. This is some retarded ass shit. <laughs> this is so irresponsible. You go, <coughs> excuse me. You're going to tell me that, and, and and that wasn't a corona cough, by the way, <laughs> but you're going to tell me in the middle of a corona pandemic, this is the time that you want to get together in large crowds with people screaming and yelling, and then the police stole the tear gas, and now everybody can't see, and you're coughing, and you got to take off your mask now, and And this is what you want to do to protest one life being lost? And this kind of thing is going to kill thousands of people? If anybody's infecting in there, all of those people are are at risk. Because they're so close to each other, they're coughing, they're yelling, they're screaming. It's ridiculous. This is not the time to be rioting. This is not the time to be getting together in any way because you're not going to do anything remotely close to social distancing. You're emotional. We have to stop being emotional and start being strategic. The families who of, lo- of these lost 
uh, people in 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 uh, Georgia, the Ahmad Armory family and the family of uh, George Floyd, they should urge people to not come out into the streets. This is a pandemic. We don't want to make this thing worse. This is not the time. We have other methods that we can do now. We don't have to keep doing the same thing over and over, especially during a pandemic. So I do not agree with it under these circumstances. Now, what I've seen today, I saw a police car hit a girl on the free on uh, that, that was protesting and drive off, and then the, the, they attacked the police car. This is this is the other car, the other police car that came up. This is crazy. But why are you out there? You cannot, if you're going to be out there, you can't be reckless. Lord. 